Hello and welcome to the Taking Social Stock podcast. My name's Andy. And I'm Heather. This week in episode eight, we will be discussing, well, the best Halloween topic I could find. Mm-hmm. So I was looking to try to find something that was a little more on the spooky side because I know you have an affinity for your spooky podcast. I love it. Oh my gosh. But there's not a whole lot of great ones that I could find. But what I did come across was a few articles discussing employees who had lost their jobs based on Halloween costumes. That, I think, raises some good questions as far as what employer's position can be when it comes to your costumes, things you do outside of work, and also why are these costumes and why is it increasingly an issue that's coming up? Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's very timely. Absolutely. And these stories come up quite often. It seems like every year, but... I just kind of don't think a ton about them anymore, so I'm looking forward to hearing your take on this. Before we get into our article this week, I kind of want to talk more of the business side because the article is more about why the costumes can be problematic. Yeah. So when it comes to what you do outside of your workplace, your employer, you would think they shouldn't have any say, right? That's I guess, seems like a natural conclusion. Plenty of people probably think that, yeah. And to some degree, it's they're correct. Yeah. But... Social media has kind of changed that. Mm-hmm. And just the fact that what you do outside, as you say, like lives on the internet forever in some ways. Yeah. And think of all the Karen videos that you've seen, right? Oh, yeah. So Karen, you know, the whole Karen meme, I guess you'd call it. Every came... time I see our neighbor Karen, I feel a little bit sad because she is such a great human. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's more about white women who feel privileged oh it for sure is right? it's a great not a, it's a not great about thing, the actual name but i feel ter- i feel bad for karen <laughs> yeah so the examples you think of is you've seen some people who've accosted minorities in mm-hmm. parking lots and on the street because they feel like it's their place to yep. be and not the other person's place to be yep. that has led to those employees being fired because the employer says that's not the way that we we don't condone racist activity, yeah, and that's racist. And that's a part of the, it. Shows if they're behaving that way, that's a part of their ethos. That's part of who they are and what they bring to the workplace. While it may not be an incident that's specifically damaging the company, then you know what's say this employee does behind the scenes on a work call or a work trip or something like that. Yeah. Right? So that is an example that you've seen of people getting fired. Other examples, more timely to this issue, there was like last year. There was a JetBlue employee fired for their costume mm-hmm. that they wore to the workplace. And even a year before that, close to us in Kansas City, Missouri, a nurse was fired because of a costume that she wore, which was blackface. She was being Beyonce mm-hmm. as a white woman. Uh, I think she was white. But either way, she wore that to a non-work mm-hmm. Halloween party, which led to her being terminated. Yep. So your costumes obviously could send the wrong message and your employer can take action and I guess the question some people would have is why that doesn't seem fair. It's not at work. Why does the employer have that right? Mm-hmm. And, well, employment's at will. As most people have heard, you know, like you can quit your job for any reason. You've probably quit jobs before, right, Heather? Yes. <laughs> yeah, you've had a few jobs in the past. Not that you left in any malice. It's just when opportunities arise, you are allowed to leave yep. and take other positions. I've been at my job for more than five years now. Have you? Not? I know you have. <laughs> okay. Before that, Don't you had like a how many how many jobs in a month before? One this time, one? three to four. But there were extenuating circumstances. Exactly. <laughs> but when we look at the example of the employer side, if you have that right to leave, so do they. Unless yep. there's some ca- contractual issues there that mean that they have to keep you, barring X circumstance. Right. 
Also, a lot of companies have a social media policy. You may not know it, but your employer could have this policy in your handbook that you've read once or skimmed over that says what you can and can't do as far as your social media policy and the company. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times they have like cultural lifestyle ethos that you're supposed to adhere to. Yes. So that gives the employer the ability to terminate an employee if they don't think they fit into their work culture. Some people who bring up their First Amendment right, their freedom of speech. How do you think that applies in a situation like this? Well, I, c- can I say more so how I think a lot of people think it applies? Sure. <laughs> I think a lot of people think that they can say whatever they want without consequence. And they will cite the, the freedom of speech amendment when I don't think that is accurate. And that's correct. Yeah. I have fallen into that before. This is more something I've learned recently. But when we were in college, maybe mm-hmm. sometime we'll tell this full story of why I left the Bible college, Mm -hmm. there was an issue that came up between me and the dean. It was something I said, and they didn't feel it was appropriate. And I think I was justified in what I said, but I thought, well, freedom of speech protects me here because I'm allowed to have opinions of the school. Yes. The school's attorney said, you're allowed to have those opinions, but in reality, freedom of speech doesn't apply because freedom of speech is between you and the government. Yep. It's not between you and other individuals or you and your employer. Mm -hmm. So your employer can fire you based on something you say regardless Mm -hmm. and the last thing i would like to say about that is there's a few places you are protected so this is the only real protections you have on social media if there's not a specific policy or contract in place for you or your state has specific state laws and that is the national labor uh, relations act lets you discuss your workplace as far as benefits wages uh discriminations happening And then other things like whistleblowing, those are protected things that you can do in public forums, such as social media. That's it. That's where the protections live. And I think even with that, people, it's such a common thing in America to, or in the U.S., because there's a lot of America, North and South, right? So in the U.S., there is this norm of people thinking they can't talk about their wages, where legally you can, it's become taboo in American culture, but that's a that could be a podcast of its own because that's a problem in American society around income disparity. It is. I think a lot of managers, you know, supervisor level, frontline managers, they don't know these laws exist. Mm-hmm. They were someone who was a frontline employee who knew it was taboo to talk about wage. And then when they become a manager, they just enforce that. So, yeah, maybe we'll talk about that in a future episode because it is interesting and it is a way to try to keep your your lowest paid employees in check. Mm-hmm. And some, uh, and also it can be, whether it's conscious or subconscious, can be uh, racist where white people make more. That's a that's a thing. But that could be a whole other podcast. Or they want to avoid that. Yeah, so yes. we'll, we'll save that. But let's get into the article for today. So okay. the article I found was something from NPR. It's called Cultural Appropriation, a Perennial Issue on Halloween. It's a very short article. It's a three-minute listen. You can even listen to it if you don't want to read it. But they jump into cultural appropriation. That's the main focus. And it's not something I think of a lot. I've heard the term. So can you explain that a little more for me? Yeah, I think a lot of times when we hear cultural appropriation, we'll also sometimes hear the term cultural appreciation. Just in a nutshell version of both, cultural appropriation would be where, using the idea of Halloween and costumes, where people wear a culture's costume for their own selfish purposes. And I don't mean selfish in a way that is 
as somebody might think of that, it's not meant to say you're a terrible person, but it's to say you're wearing it whether to elicit a reaction, whether it's to win a costume contest or get a giggle or something to that effect. It's something that you gain from it without understanding the culture. So an example could be where where this article goes, which we'll dig into, it really it, it mentions some different cultures, but the focal point is Native people costumes. Cultural appropriation is wearing those costumes. Cultural appreciation would be looking deeper and saying, what is what is this costume? What kind of garb is this? Why does this matter? Why did it matter? What's the historical context around it? So based on that, I would think there's never a reason to wear a a cultural depiction costume thinking of like these they talk about native costumes the traditional like what you think of as pocahontas look Mm -hmm. probably no real reason to ever wear that unless it's for some kind of play or a specific reenactment but if it's just doing it for for you for halloween for costume party i guess there's it's always cultural appropriation at that point yeah there is a hashtag that I'd like to look into this to see how it has trended over the past few years, because I don't know offhand, but it's the hashtag of uh, not my, my identity is not your costume or culture. My culture is not your costume. Yes. Yes. So I think if you, culture identity, if you're wearing it for your own purposes as a costume, not a good idea ever. When I read through the article, it did make me curious because they talk about the costume stores tend to have, you know, the Arab chic outfit. They'll have your man riding camel costume, uh, these Mexican costumes like a sombrero and poncho, mm-hmm. a mustache, and then, of course, native princess, native girl costumes, which are usually our depiction of what the native populations looked like when the U.S. was, well, when it was colonized. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the push west. That made me think, okay, are these costumes actually still popular? Because this is an issue that's becoming more prevalent. The native girl costume is the 22 best-selling costume item on Amazon. When this I looked, year? This year. Okay. When I looked earlier this week, some of the items above it were more adult costume pieces. Mm-hmm. So it's one of the top-selling girl costumes that you can buy on Amazon. Yeah, because when you said it's the above that, so it could be number 10, 21, whatever the pieces so it's more accessory so if you look at just a costume itself that 22 would probably go it's sitting at 22 would probably go way up in number yeah it's one of the top selling children's costumes yes yes i wouldn't have thought of that yeah it's the the article that will link the main one where we're rooting into really one of the things they said in it was every year As people become more aware of cultural appropriation, it seems like you might see less of certain offensive or racist costumes on store shelves, but you a go-to is always the Native people costume. Something that I, you know, it's like in terms of cultural appropriation and why it's wrong, that's something that growing up was never on my radar. And I wish I had could bookmark that in my mind of when it got on my radar. I was absolutely an adult when I even first became aware of it, though. My guess is maybe max 10 years ago, and that might be even being generous with myself. I'm not super seasoned in this in myself, but it's something I learn more and more about. 
that said, when we were reading through the article, something I had never considered before was what's the historical significance of the native costumes that we typically see. Now, we see all sorts of different, whether it's a dress or could be moccasins, headdress, shirts, etc., right? But when we look at it, it's, and, and they talk about this, is it's that I hadn't considered before, is it's kind of a point in time snapshot that's rooted in violence that, like you said, it's rooted in manifest destiny, pushing westward, which also equated to the Trail of Tears, where we think about a lot of Native people dying, uh, people starving, people getting TB, tuberculosis, smallpox. One of the costumes that I hadn't realized before we started talking about this this week is uh, one of the costumes of Native people is called the ghost dance shirt. That's rooted in a ghost dance feast shirt, harkens back to that time when people were starving. So, so much of these costumes really are wrapped up in a point in time that makes people look like they haven't evolved and become, as we have into modern society, and they absolutely have. It's also a point in time when they were being displaced, when they were being treated violently and dying horrible deaths. Yeah, they mentioned specifically that in the article, how I think as one Native uh, Indigenous person here says that it makes them seem like they're still stuck in the 19th century because we just keep replaying this image, similar yeah. to what we talked about with the way Muslims are portrayed mm-hmm. in uh, in the media or in movies and TV. That is very interesting to me. It's one of those things you talked about whenever you learned about cultural appropriation like 10 years ago. I'd say for me it's three or four mm-hmm. at most. I never wore an Indian costume, or, well, that's what they were called in their kids, Indian mm-hmm. costumes, a native costume. I wore ninja costumes, which is something that is cultural appropriation. Would never thought that uh, until this year, really. But it is. And... I think it's rooted, it's so rooted into our media. I think of whenever we were growing up wrestling, there was characters like the Iron Sheik, who mm-hmm. was, I don't even know if the guy was Middle Eastern or anything, but he was a character of a people. And a lot of the wrestling figures were. And the TV show Glow, uh, the gorgeous ladies of wrestling, really hammers that that issue by mm-hmm. having people who are playing races they aren't. And when they try to switch, they start realizing how racist they're being of, you know, these different cultures. So it's very interesting. And I think it's a continued propagation. I, the movie dances with wolves. I was thinking of that when you're talking about the ghost dance shirt. Now that's a period piece, Mm -hmm. but anytime native peoples are represented in like American media, that's the image, all the baseball teams that were the Braves and you know, the ones that still are of these, of the indigenous peoples continues to put that one image in front of us there's always almost like a headdress or a hatchet or something attached to it so in a lot of ways i think of it as it's this marketing message it's not intended to be marketing but it's worked out to be that way where it's keep selling people who aren't interacting with indigenous peoples on a regular basis that this is what they still look like this is what they are so it's the only image you Mm -hmm. have unless you live in a community that has tribal populations yep yes And that goes to, I feel like every single time we have an episode, we somehow root to education. And it doesn't have to be formal. It's not what we're talking about, but people becoming more informed. There are 
there are some people, well, a lot of people who are informing each other informally, right? Like in conversations, that's how uh, we learn. I know that's how I've learned a lot for people who will push on me. And that's really helpful. In the moment, though, that can feel kind of rough. There was this woman, a teacher, I think she taught fifth graders, if I remember right. Like That's some, part of this oh, okay. article. Okay, great. Uh, but she was teaching kiddos and around Halloween time, she sends home a letter to try to inform parents about, hey, here are going to be some costumes that are acceptable and here's some that are not going to be, are not, they're either insensitive or racist and here's why. And this, the catalyst on that was because she said every year there are at least like one or two kids in her class who would come with wearing a costume that would make her feel uncomfortable. And she would think, oh, is this going to make other people feel uncomfortable as well? And I think that's why she felt uncomfortable because it was trying to think about everybody being inclusive in her class and wanting to have a fun day versus something that was going to be sad for people. And so she sends this letter out and she's gotten mixed responses, right? Like, and so, and I, and I get that from parents who probably think for the most part, people aren't trying to be terrible humans when they wear these costumes or let their kids wear these costumes, but to be called in to say, you shouldn't let your kid wear this costume and here's why. It's hard for people in that part of the learning phase of recognizing that something that they've done for so long could have been harming people. And a lot of times people will push back on that. Yeah. And fifth grade is, I would say, when I was in fifth grade, obviously none of these things I thought of, I didn't think about any racist tendencies that had been taught to me. But yeah, it's important. I think it's an important age and really younger to start getting the parents on board with choosing costumes that maybe are more appropriate. Walking down the big box aisle, they've watched Pocahontas or, you know, luckily Disney movies have shifted a little bit away Mm -hmm. from all the stereotyping they did in the past. But they could be walking down the aisle, see this costume from their favorite character of a TV show and not not know why it's inappropriate. And so it's on the parent to, to know that. And I think growing up, obviously, the when we were children in the 80s and 90s, it was a way different time. Culture wasn't as a aware and i think social media has played an important role of getting people up to speed but yeah my my parents wouldn't have thought anything of it if i chose to be a native person you no. know wear a native costume and my mom probably would feel justified because she's very proud of the fact that our family has like a very distant connection to the cherokee and apache tribes yeah which very very distant <laughs> I, I never met one you know yeah. no no family member that i ever met is even half native yep yeah, growing up with costumes too. I never, I'm think, trying to think of the costumes I had, and I don't think I appropriated anything, but it wasn't because me or my family was savvy to that. It was simply because I liked to be things like animals and pumpkins <laughs> and things like that. So nothing's changed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, you're not, I guess you're not going to dress up this year, but for the last how many years you were a shark? A three to four. But yeah. you know what? You wear, you wear the costume till it dies if you love it. And I did. So, <laughs> yes. Um, but with you mentioning the ninja piece, it also made me think about like, I've heard of something around that. And I would say it was within the last year or two, it's become on my radar, but I have not taken time to learn more about it. And I think that leads to the thing of, 
I haven't prioritized that because it's not something that, although I should, like I'm thinking of this as a blind spot of me. Like, oh yeah, this is appropriation. I should have taken time to learn a little more, but it's not something that I think about as often or like an identity, like native people or whatnot. So we're all continuously learning. The ninjas being an appropriation, I think does feel French to us. And I, I'm not sure where I land on it because I do kind of think like, yes, it was kind of like, they're kind of like the CIA in Japan a long time ago. And they weren't a whole, it was a subsect. Not that I'm saying a subsect of a people group is okay to appropriate. Right. But it's more like if someone wants to be an American police officer is almost what I think of or like FBI agent. I, d- I don't know that I would even view that as appropriation it's not a current thing, so maybe that's what changes the view a little bit. But it's been so adopted into American media that I it's disassociated, which probably isn't fair. But yeah, I, I, I struggle with that one. It's one of those that's like the bottom of the list of like offensive, sometimes mentioned, sometimes not. Yep. But maybe in 10 years we'll, we'll understand better because it is a Eastern thing and Western culture just took it and ran with it yeah yeah i think like if if there if it wasn't pandemic and we were seeing more people out and about this season in costumes if i saw somebody in a ninja costume i don't think i do a second look but now that we're having this conversation i am like i don't think it has to be 10 years from now that we decide learn more about it i think there's plenty at our fingertips that we can but maybe we feel differently about it at this time next year or even in two weeks if we read more about it yeah, so I wasn't able to find any haunted coins and Aww. stories like that to go over this week. Yeah. So nothing spooky, but losing a job could be spooky. Yeah. Especially in a pandemic where finding a job in the interview process is challenging. Yeah. You know, I tried to, thinking about the, the job site, I tried to find JetBlue's policy because they did have a problematic employee who dressed up as somebody who is unhoused, experiencing homelessness, very caric- caricature. And they were located in South Florida, Fort Lauderdale, and they had a sign around their neck alluding to they needed to get home to Cuba or Puerto Rico. Uh, so racist, racially charged as well. So I wanted to see what JetBlue's policy was. Couldn't find it. But that does lead me to being curious about how employers in the coming years might become more explicit with their policies around social media, around Halloween costumes, things like that. I think many of them are. The JetBlue incident is interesting just because that's the people they they serve a lot because they do a lot of flights to the Caribbean areas. Mm-hmm. So a lot of their customers are Cuban and Puerto Rican. When you have an employee who this person worked like in the terminal, and I think I don't think they work necessarily at ticketing, but the photo of them is in ticketing. Yeah. So yeah, you're really putting a bad image because her sign literally says like, "I'm help me get back to Puerto Rico or Cuba." Yeah, don't care which one. Yeah, so it's really saying like, "I'm just trying to be offensive to both." Yeah, <laughs> to me. Yeah, companies are very aggressive with trying to control the image their employees present of their company. So yeah, JetBlue did say they had a policy, and I think most employers, like I mentioned early in the show, do have some kind of policy. It's just. Are people continually retrained on it? Are they updating their policy? Is the policy language specific so people get it? Or is it vague and just saying, like, if you do anything we disagree with, we could fire you? Mm-hmm. Which, fair. I mean, 
it's hard to include everything you need to on a policy like that. But how often are you retraining employees on it and making them aware? I know we do retraining every year and it's part of my industry, but I have to do an ethics training. I have to do a fraud prevention training and I have to do um, one other. And those are the only ones I do every year, but we don't really go over our company policies such as this. Uh, We're continually retrained on how to interact with our clients. We aren't supposed to talk to the press Mm -hmm. about things that are going on with the company, but not specifically about, you know, social media use. Yeah. And where I work, I think that when I read articles or have conversations with others, I realize that we're... I'm thankful that there's a lot of work happening to try to get to the heart of it, have hard conversations so people have the opportunity to be educated. There's space for us to educate ourselves versus where I think a lot of companies, especially really big companies, and I understand this, the starting point has to be like, this is wrong, you'll get fired. So it's like, if you act this way, there is a consequence. But I'm thankful for getting to be a part of a place and thankful for people who are as well, who get to kind of dig into like, why is it wrong? Why would this action be right? Why should you be fired if you do something like this? Because it's when we know why, that's how our behaviors change. That's also a benefit of being in a very small organization. Mm -hmm. Well, that's going to do it for this week. If you have any questions, please email us at taking social stock at gmail.com. Otherwise, we will see you next week.